All right, well, Big John, here we are again, another episode of Wayne, and on Labor Day because our producer is from Scotland, so he has no idea what holidays are. It's on Labor Day because we don't mind working. Yeah, right. I'm trying to teach Josh hard work. Maybe we do. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little offended that Dave's like, "Hey, are we filming today?" I was like, "Ah." Yeah, we are filming today uh, because we work on Labor Day. Uh, Let's do it. If you guys hear some explosions in the background, that's because uh, Big John lives on a lake. And they're doing that's fireworks. My, that's my family blowing cannons out, right? Oh, man. <laughs> but it's so sad that you're not there with your family celebrating because Dave. Dave ruined our holiday. I, I get it. That's I all right. You know what? I like Dave, so it's okay. Uh, Dave you know, has decided he wants to work because that's good that we are working. That's why it's called Labor Day. Josh is just used to being retired in his old age. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we will uh, We'll get started. We'll get started on the uh, obviously – Let's let's just talk the the thing that I think is probably the is the most. You don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. It's so hard. It's so hard. Don't do me. it. It's so hard for me to go there. Don't do it. BJ Penn. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk. Right. BJ Penn. You did it. All right. Let's uh, talk. BJ. You go. I, I want to hear what you say. All right. All right. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this because okay. this is the one thing that people. You know, a lot of times, you know, we, we did the thing with Connor. Yeah. And it's so easy to dismiss somebody that you don't have a personal relationship with. Yeah. That you don't personally know. That you just see on TV, that you just have watched, and you know nothing about the person. You've never had any interactions with them. It's easy to dismiss somebody when you have that relationship. But when you have a relationship like I know you've had with BJ and, and look that I've had with BJ, you know, BJ used to come out to my gym. BJ, I, I used to do things with him. You know, I, he is a great person. And unfortunately, what's happening is, you know, th this latest street fight thing. And I, I don't know the true particulars of it. I don't know exactly what, you know, was the start of it. I don't know if there was alcohol involved in it, you know, truthfully, but, you know, we got a problem, you know, and I love BJ. I, I want to put that out there. I love BJ. I will do anything for BJ. I will fly to Hilo, Hawaii to help BJ if that's what it takes. I don't have a problem doing that because I owe that to BJ because he has been special within the sport of MMA. I mean, he's been special, but... He's ruining that. He's ruining what made him special. He's ruining everything that he created off of being this incredible fighter with these incredible skills and fighting anybody. You want to talk about anybody, anywhere, anytime. BJ Penn was that guy. It's easy to say that when you're a heavyweight and you're weighing 265 pounds or so and you know, or more and you know. No one's going to be bigger than you. Well, when you're the guy that's weighing 150 pounds, 155 pounds, and you will take on someone in the heavyweight division, which is what BJ would do, you were a special athlete. You were a special breed. And that's been what BJ is. But, you know, I don't know all the complexities of what's going on. But I do know that, look, at BJ has taken a lot of damage in the last seven fights that he's had all losses go back to rory mcdonald when rory you know uh beat him look at rory beat him badly you know john fitch had a fight with him that you know i think it ended in a draw but you know he took damage in the end of that one nick diaz damage and he has been taking damage a guy that took no damage in the beginning of his career took a lot of damage at the end and he keeps on going forward because I don't think that he realizes there's other outlets for him other than fighting. Fighting is a drug. There's no doubt about it. It is an absolute, it's an addiction. And it's hard to explain to someone that's never done it. But when you walk out and those fans are cheering your name and they're excited, it's a drug you can't get anywhere. And BJ is looking for that next high. And he's almost looking for that next high you know, just in everyday life, you can't fight on the streets, man. You are a professional fighter. You can't do these things. And look at, 
when he got hit with that stupid left hook, he got slapped, and he's saying, hit me, and he got hit with a left hook. Look, his head bounced off of the pavement. That is serious, and that's a problem. And I don't know what the UFC is going to do, but something needs to be done to help BJ. We need to do something, you know, get something going, because you see a guy that's struggling. And I I can't say that that was his fault. I don't know that it was. But in the end... He was fighting, and he's mounted on top of someone, punching him in the head. That's going to put you in a place that you don't want to go. And you can alter your life forever with one of those stupid mistakes. And someone has got to get it in his head, man. Hey, it's time to freaking change. Yeah. that's. I look at it from a couple different ways. So the one part that I look at the most is, and that's just because obviously I have a lot of bias because he is one of my closest friends in the sport. Um what cons- what doesn't concern me what i'll get to the concern part in a second the thing that bothers me is one because someone is older and because someone has lost a couple of fights and because he's pretty much like on his way out if not on his way out completely from fighting all people do is talk trash about him and that's whether he's doing this or not like oh he should retire he should give it up he's he's a has been he's this he's that but when Conor McGregor does it, or when somebody who is a former champion that's most recently been a champion or somebody who is basically like big into the sport right now all you hear is the double standard it's okay let's give him a second chance let's do this let's do that and that bothers me a little bit that bothers me like it's because somebody's on the way out and he's old and washed up let's just discard him and say like well, give it up and let, talk trash about him whereas let me, let me ask you let me ask you a question here who are you saying is saying let's discard BJ. Well, I mean, like if you, I guess I'm going, I'm going based off of like the media outlets. I'm going based off of social media. I'm going based. Off, I get, I get what you're saying. Like, there's no one obviously close to me that's going to say that to me because I, I would tell him to, you know, to, to eat shit. Yeah. I would have a very, a very frank conversation with tell him to eat shit. But that's just my personal, like my, I, I see all this and it just it bothers me because I've known BJ. Since before his first fight in the UFC, we trained together at AKA, and you know, and, and for a lot of his big fights, he flew me out to Hilo, and I trained with him for those big fights. Um, that's just the one portion of it that bothers me because I hate to see someone like him go through all this. Um, yep. The other thing, though, too, um, the concern is it's not even so much a concern as it is that I don't understand what the outlet needs to be. There's no reason for you to fight. You own three, I think, three or four UFC gyms. You're forty. You're forty. Forty percent owner of two of them or three of them, and the fourth one, I believe, you're a majority owner of sixty percent. I, I don't. I, the money's coming in. The fa- We all know, and everyone's talked about this for years. His family is. They're not poor. You know. I mean, they're. they're you know. They're, he's. I'm not saying he's rich, but I'm not saying that they're. They're not. I mean, they're, they're fine. And he, he is fine. He can make a living. He he has outlets to make make sure that money's coming in. My my. I think this should have been my first concern. The very first thing I brought up, though, he has two beautiful daughters. Yeah. Beautiful daughters. And, you know, and he, wa- he wasn't married, but he was with his, um, with, with his girlfriend for a long, long time. And uh, they had split. And, you know, and then it seemed like it was kind of downhill from there. But all those things aside, like, he just truly needs to find something to focus on outside of fighting. And you were talking about fighting being an addiction and a drug. And... It's so weird. I, I think for some people it is. Yeah. But when I walk past the cage now and I look at those guys fighting, there's not one ounce of me that says, God, I can't wait to get back in there. Yeah, but let me ask you a question on that right there. What have you done, Josh, since you have basically stopped fighting? You started to pursue something. You started to, to, to center your energy and all of your focus on something, haven't you? But isn't it, but is it because haven't you? Yes, I have. But so you have replaced that addiction that it it becomes for a lot of guys. And I'm not saying it was ever an addiction for you, but for a lot of guys, and you know, it's true. There is an addiction to it. I know it for people that don't fight or never fought or competed in that. They don't understand it, but it's not that, you know, you want to go hurt somebody or anything like that. You want to get in that. To show what you can do, you want to compete. You want to, you want to be in that hard situation and overcome. All of it makes you feel good, even when you lose. Some of that that happened in there makes you feel good, and it's the place that you can get that. It's a high, 
and it really is. It's not a high, you know, that oh, you you know, you don't know what you're doing, but it's a high that you can get. And he he's in that position. To me, he's he's floundering in that he's not finding that thing to replace what he got from the fight. He's not finding that you know that focus. This is where I'm gonna. I'm going to put my energy to this. And if it's, hey, if it's, let's start training, guys. Let's just be, you know, the guy that, you know, instead of being the guy in the cage, you're the guy on the outside giving the guy the game plan, doing all that grunt work that it's hard work to be a trainer. You know that it's a pain in the ass to deal with fighters. But it is absolutely two ways. It's the most frustrating job you can have, and it's one of the most gratifying jobs you can have. Because you can make a difference in a fighter's career. So if that's what it is, great. I don't know what it is. But as a community, we all need to come together, in my opinion. And let's help BJ and figure this out. Because I'm seeing things go down a road. Look at It only takes one thing to happen for this to be the life-altering moment that you cannot take back. And fighting on the street, look at, I'm not saying I never did it, and I did a lot, and I was a dumbass. But I look at what I got away with, and, and man, you gotta learn from, you gotta learn, I can't do that stuff anymore. It's gonna end up biting you. But talking about, but talking about that, where does, where does the UFC come into play in this? You know, you you can't blame the no, UFC. No, no, not at all. But do, okay. do they cut, do they cut him, release him? Well, because now, I mean, not only look and, I, and look, and I, I truly think that, like, sure, I would like to see him fight one more time, but I also would not like to see him fight one more time. I mean, he's fighting in the street, which doesn't make it any better. But nope. my my honest is like, as an organization, though, like, when you see guys, he's had a couple of these now. Do they do they just pull the the plug and say like, look, we have to cut our ties with you. We still own gyms with you. And do they say like, hey, you got to, you know, it's like basically you have to hit rock bottom before you start getting back to the top. And, and he's one of my closest friends, but I feel like there's, a, there's been some moments there where you need to make sure that I think as a, as a, as a promotion that you're not in, you're not, you're not helping him do more damage to himself. Well, look, in, in my opinion, be it in the UFC, be it if it was in Bellator, be yeah. it, you know, LFA, I don't care. In my opinion, there comes a point where a promoter, like a promoter makes money off of fighters' names. You know that. And there comes a point where it's a promoter's responsibility to say, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make money off your name. Dana did that with Chuck Liddell. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his friend. Mm-hmm. And he eventually told, said, hey, I, I don't want to see you fight anymore. Okay, that was the right thing to do. Dana was seeing the exact things that I was seeing out of Chuck. You know what I'm talking about. There was absolute collateral damage from him fighting anymore. And so he did the right thing. When he gave BJ this next fight and, said, and then said, I told him it's going to be the last one. I'm like, you're not doing him any favors. Mm-hmm. He's not doing him any favor. And, and I know the position that Dana's in. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you know Dana's a bad guy. I, he's trying to help him. Yeah, he is. But it's, yeah. but it's, but it's not helping him. Yeah. This is something that look at you know, and you know Nick Lentz, you know, not an easy fight. God damn, man! You look at Nick Lentz is a junkyard dog. Yep. All right, and uh, you know, look at there to go out with eight losses in a row because that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. The the difference between being you know, and this is you know when you talk about. The, the street fight stuff, look at the differences in professional fighters is very small. You know, these, there's little tiny things that are the differences between one guy and another. And, and this is what a lot of fans don't get it because they're not that close to it. And they think, oh, you know, this guy's just better than him. There's little things. And all it takes is one little thing to change that. And when you lose it, it goes down and it starts clicking off fairly fast. Mm-hmm. And it's clicked off for, you know, BJ. It's just, it's time. It's time to say, all right, the fight game, that's enough for me. I shouldn't be going in the cage anymore to fight. But there's other things that I can do in this sport that's going to keep me close to the sport that I love. But the UFC as a promotion, I don't want to see BJ fight anymore. 
look at and and the whole point is look at BJ used to bring he used to put just like what you say butts in the seats. Oh yeah. You know that was a guy, man. You knew if you put his name on that card, you were gonna have butts in the seats. People wanted to be there. He's like the third fight of the night now yeah. on the prelims. All right, so you know they're not they're not making anything off of him. They're paying him money. You know, probably more than, you know, anybody else on the prelims by a lot. And so they're trying to do him a favor, but it's not doing him any favor because this is going to be lasting damage that's yeah. going to affect BJ for the rest of his life. Yeah, you know, I, I, had, I had a conversation with him just as of recently, like right before his fight was announced with Nick Lentz. Him and I were talking and, uh, and I kept asking him, I said, like, why? He's like, you know, because I love this. And I'm like, yeah, but the thing is, though, is you're doing more damage. You know, and then yeah. now, then the video comes out of him fighting in the streets, and I'm thinking to myself, "You're doing more damage." You know, especially when your head bounces off the concrete. Oh, yeah, you know, and that, that see, that's the part. Now you, you talk about the UFC, and I go, "All right, hey, that's a 90 day suspension right there." Yeah, that's three months. He yeah. can't train. Yeah. So you're gonna have him now fight Nick Lentz when? Exactly. They exactly. should pull that fight. Yep. And that's the thing. Do they pull it and they do they cut him? Do they pull it and just say, "Look, look, this is not gonna happen till you get clearance." I mean, what do you do? You know, I, I don't know, but I, I just, I know that there's other avenues when it comes to being a participant in MMA. And I think BJ will always be a huge presence in the sport of mixed martial arts. It's just not in the cage now. It's just I mean, not being one of the competitors. But has he completely checked out of the sport and he's just in it because he's in, he love, like you said, it's the drug of the fight. Like the, I wonder, because there's times where I've, I've trained with him, and he seems like he trains really hard. I don't understand how he gets so tired. Then there's, like, it makes me wonder now, now after eight fights of him not getting a win, or seven fights of him not getting a win, like, are you putting in the work? Are, are, you, are you just out fighting in the, in the clubs, and then coming back, and then that's your training for the night? You know, and th those are the things that scare me. Those are the type of things that scare me. You're stepping in, you're training with these guys that they've been training for eight to ten weeks straight. They're doing three a days, two a days. They're putting in their work, and you, I've, I don't know. I, I can't tell you. I mean, I don't oh, well, know. I, I mean, look at look at it this way. If I went to you and said, "All right, Josh, I'm going to take you back to 2001, 2002, 2003," and there's this guy, you know, BJ Penn, and I'm going to put uh, let's see. I'm going to put Yari Rodriguez against him. Who's going to win? He would fucking destroy Yair. All right. I'm going to put Dennis Seaver against him. Destroy, I'm going to put Clay yeah. Guida against him. All these guys that you know, back in the day, we would have gone. You know, even 2010, we would have gone. Come on. It's not even a fight. Nope. And now look at what's happening. Yeah. And that's what is sad to me. And I just don't want to. I don't want to see it because I don't want to see BJ hurt. I don't want to see his heart broken either, okay? And I just think that, look, it, there's another avenue, there's another way, there's something that, that can be done to give BJ a purpose in the sport of mixed martial arts other than fighting. I just, here's the thing. I don't think that a purpose in the sport is going to make a difference. It's got to be a purpose that he wants. I don't think him wanting, yeah. I don't think he wants to be a trainer. I don't think, he owns four gyms. He has an opportunity to train anybody at those gyms. Plus he owns, he owns his own gym in Hilo. His brothers, JD and Reagan, they're there. Like they, you know, I don't know if Reagan's still there, but I know JD's still there. Like he's got people that are hands-on that he can help train anytime he wants. So I, I don't know if him wanting to be a trainer is going to be the, 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 the outlet, but I, I have always thought this because of who he was and all the the hype and the publicity around him. He's the kind of guy that could make money just literally going to places, doing good seminars, and shaking hands and kissing babies. That He could he could make a living just doing that. I don't know if he can do it now after all yeah. the stuff that's going on. But that's I, the but, whole point. But I think if you give it like another six months or eight months of him being clean, him doing whatever it is, like him just not getting any trouble and just – starting to make a push to, to do a bunch of the right things in his community, I think he could be that guy that just goes around everywhere. Everyone his and we all know this, his personality is infectious. Like, you yeah. get around him, you're like, oh, my God, you're like the funniest, the nicest, the, <laughs> just a, just a all-around great guy. I cannot. Yeah, I'm, he is. I've been out with him in so many in so many situations, 
and I just it, it's very infectious to be around. I just love being around him. He's just he's just funny. He, he likes to he just talks highly of everyone when he's talking to you. This guy, this is Josh. He's like one of my best friends. Or like this is you know Richard. This is this is and then he'll pull a practical joke right in the middle of it, right in front of all of it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he'll you know I mean. Just all the stories that we've had together and just the, you know, in some of them being out the club, some of them being at the pool, some of them being at the beach, whatever it is. I mean, but to me, I feel like that's all he just needs to find that type of purpose, the purpose that I would love to see him find. And it's there. It's, it's good. I think it'll always be available to him as long as he is not doing what he's doing now. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, to me, the guys that are close to him, Dude, you, you gotta you gotta step up. Yeah. You gotta sometimes grab a hold of him, pick him up off of his feet, and walk away with him if that's what it takes. Yeah. Look, if I was there and he started with that, I'm not gonna let him continue with the fight. Yeah. I know it's Hawaii. I know how they are. I know the whole thing. BJ is not going to fight. That's just the way it is. You can't let that happen. Yeah. So, I, it's a sad situation, and. I, w- I wish there was a perfect answer. There's, there's never a perfect answer. But I do know that there's a tragic ending if things continue the way they're going. That's a typical cop reaction. <laughs> well, that's because I've seen yes. it too many times. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. You know? I, I agree with you that I feel like he does need to find an outlet. He does need to find a way out. I don't think fighting is the outlet. Not just fighting. I don't think anything in the sport would be the outlet. I truly believe that he needs to be who he is. He is someone that can spread his jiu-jitsu knowledge. And even if it's not jiu-jitsu knowledge or jiu-jitsu base, he owns four gyms or three or four UFC gyms plus his own gym. There's there's outlets there for him to to make, just like I said, with his personality being as infectious as it is, in, in getting people to believe in themselves. He That was one thing he brought to AKA. He's, it reminds me a lot. I mean, my honest to God, he reminds me a lot of Dan Cormier. The way that they walk into a room and they just captivate everyone when they walk in and they just talk and then they start talking, people just want to listen and you're just like, wow. I mean, in a different style, obviously, DC is as yeah. an analyst. BJ is just the, the the fun, loving guy that just, but he he's that guy and I'd like to see him do something along those lines of, like I said, shaking hands and kissing babies. I think that to me would be an ideal situation for him. No, but no one's going to want to have a guy. Yeah, I agree. Shaking their hand or kissing their baby is getting in street fights. Yeah, very it's true. It's just something you cannot do. That's what happens when we have the pussification of America. <laughs> well, you no, call it FQ1. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I know, you know I agree. I agree. It's 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 just a hard pill for me to swallow because, like I said, I've known him since I want to say '98. You know, we trained together since then, and just he's been an all-around great friend of mine and um, great guy. So, yeah, it sucks to see. I, I I'm I'm, you know, this is normally like right around the time him and I start texting back and forth. You know, when something like this happens, or once you know after a loss or something along those lines, we'll we'll usually meet up around a week or two later and chat and talk through text so we'll get it we'll see what we can do um, i know that's i try i try it's all you can do um i guess let's talk about my other friend <laughs> let's talk let's talk about you have, first up don't lie you you you, you cannot know. have two friends i know it's <laughs> it, it's truly a strange situation that i can call people friends these days yeah. you know? I had like a handful of them, right? I'm, it's so funny when my parents used to say, like, you'd be able to count all your friends on one hand when you got older. It's funny how that things things. Oh, no, that's my dad, man. Yeah. My dad used to look at me and said, take a look at that hand. Yep. He says, you see those fingers? You have, you think you have more friends than that? You're stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. Yeah. You know, you got, you got certain people you can rely on. Yeah, very true. You know, it's, you got you to gotta separate things. But you got Khabib. Mm-hmm. He's fighting this week. Yes. Against... Dustin Poirier. I love That's a good Dustin. fight, man. I th- you so think I. you think it's going to be a good fight? Ah, you know, I, I'm telling you right now, everyone has everyone has the answers on how to beat Khabib. <laughs> everyone everyone's got the answers to that puzzle. But no one can solve the puzzle. Mm-mm. Okay? So, having the answers, saying, "Okay, we know what we need to do." Knowing what you need to do and being able to do it. Being able to do it for five rounds, that is a hard, hard project 
to uphold. Yeah. Because you know, look at there's you, you cannot if you're dusting and you're working out with guys, no one brings the same type of pressure that Khabib is going to bring in that fight. You're going to feel something different that night, different than you have ever felt before. You know, because you really, in my opinion, you have to match up with almost a middleweight or a light heavyweight fighter to understand the pressures that Khabib brings to the lightweight division. Mm -hmm. I, I have never, ever been in the cage, and I did probably five or six of Khabib's fights. I've never been in with a guy who dominated every freaking round that I ever did with him. I mean, dominated, made it look easy, talked snap. You know, he, you know, I get people all the time, what is, what is Khabib talking about? And I go, he's just telling the guy, oh, this sucks, doesn't it? Oh, you need to tap. Tap now so you don't get hurt. Then he, gets, then he punches him a couple more times. I told you you should have tapped. That hurt. I know it hurt. Now it's going to hurt some more. Mm -hmm. And he just continues on with this psychological breakdown of his opponent, lets him up, you know, but he's got his hands clasped. He never lets somebody up without his hands clasped. Mm -hmm. And he takes him right back down. And he is so dominant at what he does. Everyone knows what you need to do to beat him, and nobody can do it. Yeah, he can't stop his takedown. There's nothing you can do. His setups, and everyone, this is the thing. I got in this conversation with Brennan Schaub. I was on uh, Brennan Schaub's show, and him and I were having this conversation. He said, oh, I saw the Alec Quinta fight. If he comes in there with that kind of stand-up, he's getting knocked <laughs> out by Conor McGregor. And I was thinking to myself. That's the biggest difference, though. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't have that same stand-up. And that, that's, that's part of the problem with solving this puzzle is he has gotten way better with his stand-up in the last two years, you take a look at what he was doing two years ago with his stand-up, and you look at him now, look, I'm not saying he can't get knocked out. Anybody can get touched and hurt and put down. But his stand-up, just what he does, the angles that he starts to create, take a look at the placement of where his punches, the angles that they're coming from, are completely different. And he has now made himself someone that is hard to deal with even on the feet and he can pull out so many slick little things about looking for you know looking for the the, the takedown and acting like he's going for the takedown and bringing the hand over similar to like you see Bader doing you know Bader knocked out Bader was in that heavyweight tournament he knocked down Molal and Fedor with the exact same punch mm -hmm. right making it look like he was going for a takedown they both dropped their hands here comes that left hook over and put them both on their butts. And that's the kind of thing that you get with Khabib because you're so concerned about him getting into you, into your legs, because you don't want to end up underneath him, yep. that your hands automatically have to go down because you can't stop the shot if they don't. Yeah, I've said this for years. The casual fan doesn't seem to understand that the threat of the takedown and the and how successful Khabib has been with his takedowns is going to change the game on how these guys fight him. So they all believe when they get in there, I'm just going to stuff his takedown. Yeah, but then that's when he's going to he's going to fake his shot. Who, who yeah. have you seen stuff his takedown? Nope, I've seen nobody. Nobody stuff <laughs> nobody. his takedown. I mean, there's guys that have stopped it for seconds. Yep. For maybe even thirty seconds, mm -hmm. but they've all ended up on their ass. Yep. Every one of them. Because he'll chain wrestle you. He'll shoot. Knowing oh, he'll chain wrestle. Knowing it's a horrible double leg. He'll switch it to a single, drive it back up, switch it back to a double, press you to the fence, lift you, scoop you, take you down. He could miss three or four shots, but they're all sequenced together to the point where he finally gets his hands locked. Now, I loved how you pointed out, because I've been pointing this out for a long time now, and I love how you pointed it out, is that once he locks his hands, he will let guys get back to their feet so he could drag them back down. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, why would he do that? Well, because it makes you more tired. Two and, things. Yes. It's, it's, it's making you more tired. Plus, it's killing your your ego. It's messing psychologically. With, yeah. He is screwing with you. It's messing with your mind. You're like, I'm up. I'm up. No, you're not. You're not up. Okay, <laughs> exactly. I let you get up. And, the, and yeah. to me, I feel like it's it really is that it's that that breaks their mentality of like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get up. Then you're up, and then you're right back down. You're like, no, I'm not getting up. You know. And then he just keeps doing it. And then people have talked to me about like, why does he do it? What happened? What happens if the person escapes and gets away? You don't get it. Once his hands are locked, 
he's not letting that go. He is not letting that go, and he just rotates back and forth from double leg to body lock to upper body to lower body, drops down on the on the doubles. Like he mixes it up, up and down, just changes his angle and his direction. One guy that used to do that really well that I trained with more for, for multiple years was Frankie Edgar. He would get in on the single, and he would just switch directions from the double to the single back and forth, and he continuously just changed his directions because he got in so deep and just kept guys guessing on what he was doing on how he was getting the takedown. And it's been successful for him over his years, and it's been very successful for Khabib. Yeah, it's funny because yeah, I was listening to Dustin, who I love Dustin. He's yes. a great guy, saying that basically if he beats Khabib, that that proves he's the greatest lightweight <laughs> of all time. And I'm like, man, yeah. you you just get. I mean, you, he won the interim title, okay, and then if he beats Khabib, unbelievable. But there's guys like Frankie Edgar. Yeah, you know, he was champion for a while. There's guys like BJ Penn. He was champion for a while. Just to sit there and say, because you get one fight, that makes you the greatest. Look, at you may have beaten the greatest fighter there is out there. And that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Khabib could absolutely be put in that. Anytime that he's not put in that pound for pound, I look and go, you guys are just crazy. Yep. You know, look, there's show me the more dominant guy. Yeah. Nobody. And even, I've always said, John Jones is the best mixed martial artist as far as his skill set that I've ever seen. But... I could always say, but He's the most the dominant guy I've ever seen is Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yep, he is a guy that I mean, I don't. He never lost a round until you want to say the one round with Connor that he took off. Yeah, okay, he took it off, and that you know fighters do that. And that's it's sometimes a very smart move, but you know to sit there. I've never seen him lose a round other than maybe that one, mm-hmm. and he's he was the reason, not his opponent. It yep. wasn't that his opponent did something; he decided to take it off. Yeah, I, and, and that's why I feel like he should be the number one guy in the in the goat conversation, and in the goat conversation, but in the in that pound for pound list right now. You're what is he? Twenty seven and zero. He's only lost one round in all of his UFC fights, and like I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And p- people keep mixing in the fact that John Jones has been entertaining over the years with the yeah. style of what he does. But for me, I felt like the category of guys that he's fought outside of DC has not even been at the same level as the guys that Khabib has also fought. So, I mean, I've, I'm obviously, everyone's going to look at me and say, hey, you're biased because I'm, 100, yes, you I'm, are. I'm a 155-pounder, but I'm also friends with Khabib. And you also came with that thing that no one besides 155-pounders or below are good MMA fighters. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. But the fifty-five pound division is so stacked. I mean, you got top fifteen, top no twenty guys are really good. The top fifteen, oh. top twenty-five. You go to the two hundred five or the or the whatever, yeah, two hundred five and the hundred eighty-five. They they're not as stacked. You've got five, seven, eight guys maybe, but in the in the lightweight division, you're talking, you know, guys that are ranked fifteen could be number number two or three at any day. Oh, absolutely. So, my 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 talk about with look, Dustin, I think he. He poses a couple different threats. The fact that he's Southpaw is going to pose some threats because even though Khabib trains with Islam Makachev and Islam is also Southpaw, and they do things that are almost very similar, except Islam is a bigger guy than Dustin Poirier. Um, but not as fast. But not as fast. I agree with you. But I would say Islam is more accurate than Dustin is on the feet with the boxing. Okay? Maybe not. I agree with you. Not as fast. But yeah. also... Islam kicks a little bit better than him with the head kick slash body kick because Dustin doesn't bo- doesn't kick as much as he could or should I believe to help mix up with his hands. He's I'm not trying to knock him at all. I think he's phenomenal. Nice, no, phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Um, and he, he has made such such a, a stride when he went back to the lightweight division yep. and has just put on just incredible performances. I mean, his fight against Holloway, yeah, just blood and guts. You know, his, his fights against Eddie Alvarez. You know, those, yep. Pettis, I mean, just he has put on some awesome performances. Yep. He deserves, you know, everything that he's gotten. I just think that this is that one guy. And there's always, you know, I don't know, there's a guy every decade, there's that guy. Mm-hmm. And Khabib is that guy. He yep. is the one you've got to, you know what you need to do, but no one can do it. Yep. And that just that just proves how special he is. It's those guys and it's like those guys right now looking at John Jones going, Man, like hopefully your decade's almost up. Like they're tired of seeing him at the, well, at the no. top. And yeah, that's kind of what people it. are looking at with Khabib. 
Well, and, yeah, and I can understand that. You can look, a lot of fighters are now getting to that point. A lot of it is there's a belief. And it's the one thing that you'll go into that fight and you're, you're telling yourself, I can beat him, I can beat him, I can beat him. There's that little voice in the back of your head, he's so good. Yep. He's so good. And, you know, guys are now in the, in the light heavyweight. They're starting to have a belief they can actually beat John Jones. Yeah, I think Salto, Salto's opened up people's eyes. Exactly. There's a true belief. I can beat John Jones. Yeah. And they, you know, and all it takes is one. One to do it, and then everyone is like, if he can do it, I can do it. Yep. But you got to find that one. And that's the same thing. You got to find that one with Khabib. I, did, did you feel like Santos won that fight? No, I, ah. look at I, I, I. Well, no, I'm being honest. Yeah. And if I went, if I sat down with you, and I went through because that, look at the, I think it was the second, the second round. Mm -hmm. It is so close. It's a close round, but I can show you why John wins it. And a lot of people think that Santos wins it. And there's an elbow, and it's hard to even see it. But I when I, when I was watching the fight live, I go, oh, that that hurt him. And you can see it hurt Santos. But most people don't even see the blow. And that's the difference in that round. It is absolutely the difference maker in that round. And look at sometimes it is one punch or one kick that makes the difference in a round that you say, that's why this guy wins this. It's that close. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get a lot of people, well, then it should be a 10 10. No, it's not because it's not even. You know, it's got to be completely even for me to give it that 10 10. So, you know, it's, uh, it is little minute things, but those, those gaps are closing. Got it. They're closing between guys, and so you know, look at you know, I, as as time goes on, John Jones is gonna have a lot more hard fights coming his way. Yeah, I back to the Dustin Poirier and the Khabib fight. The one thing we've we've talked about the weight cutting issue and stuff like that from before, but yeah. I want to make sure that everyone understands. He has taken this new weight cutting situation from before his fight with uh, with Connor, and he's made sure that his weight was always in, in scale with where he needed to be. Even all the time that he was off, he was never getting too big. He was making sure that he he was keeping his weight down, still doing everything right. I mean, right now when he when he ended up flying to uh, Dubai, he was already very close to like where his weight needed to be for him to even start his cut. And I would say it's probably like in about 76, 77 range, which is pretty, I, which is pretty damn good. I was told that he was right. He was he was between 170 and 173 pounds right now. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt it. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, he was. Him, I want to say he was 78 when he left to go to Dubai, and they left over a week ago. Yeah, and I was I was I was just told he's he's somewhere. If he's waking up, he's 170 to 173 right now. Yeah, yep. So that's an easy cut for him. Easy cut. Yeah. But I'm gonna ask. We will talk about the weight because we talked about it last week on our show. Was that the weight cut itself? He, I feel like he gains momentum off the fact that, sure, it sucks for him to make the weight, but when he gets back in there, he's dominant because he's so much bigger than the other guys. I mean, he carries the weight really well at 180, 182, 184, somewhere in there when he was competing, and he was having dominant performances before. Now, he may only get back up to 76, 78. So what? And I, I agree with you. So what? But will he still be as dominant Yes. Knowing that his weight is not that, yeah, that well, the weight's you, not as much. Because it's it's a it's a two pronged effect. You can sit there and say he's not carrying as much weight as he used to, and so he's not as big, but he's also not having the the extreme stress on his body of cutting down to that weight. And when he goes up, he feels better because he hasn't gone through quite as much of all that trauma in losing all that weight from basically 185 pounds and coming down, he's doing it from, he's basically starting his cut somewhere around 169 pounds. Because right now, when, you know, when, I'm, when I'm finding out, hey, he's between 170 and 173 waking up, and he's a fully hydrated guy, all right? He's drinking a lot of water right now. So the water that's gonna come out of his system, you know, he's, he's drinking a gallon and a half, two gallons at least a day. That's 16 pounds of water a day he's putting in his body, all right? So when he loses that, yeah, he's going to cut it out. He's going to weigh in. But as soon as he comes back, he didn't go through another basic 15 pounds mm -hmm. that he was doing before that put such a strain on his body that it, it would affect your performance. Yeah. Interesting. 
I, I look at it as like sometimes it can mind fuck you though too and could say like hey I'm used to fighting guys at 182 pounds and maybe you physically don't feel as strong as you used to maybe you don't physically feel as dominant as you used to because now the person that you're fighting is in a closer weight category to you versus you being a lot heavier or more dominant well you can sit there and look at mentally that's really what it comes down to because to sit there and say that I am a weaker athlete at 176 pounds than I am at 182 pounds. No, you're mentally weaker. Okay, your body's not weaker. Okay, it's the same as like you know we get guys that go and they'll go and you know oh I've been training hard I've been lifting weights I am so much stronger now and you go really you know what, what was your what, what weights were you, what are you doing different well, I was doing clean and jerks before and I was clean and jerking 220 pounds now I'm up to 260 pounds and you go all right that's good. But we're talking a small percentage here. And, and when you equate that to fighting and what you're going to do, it's not going to make any difference. You know, mental. Mental is everything in the fight game. If you are a mentally strong person, you are a hard person to deal with. Because your mind is what runs everything. I used, I used to tell guys all the time, look, at the body will readily go where your mind's already been. All right? The body will follow. If your mind is weak, your body's weak. If your mind is strong, your body's strong. And I've never seen anyone stronger mentally than Khabib in the cage. That's why I never lifted weights, man. I felt like they were overrated. No. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, man. I never did lift weights, though. It was too much work. I was like, I don't have time for that. It's too much madness. Um, all right, well, uh, do you want to talk about the featherweight tournament? or should we? Yeah, should, I, want to talk, okay. I want to talk about We got the featherweight tournament, and we've got... Bader versus Congo. Okay. Okay. I know a lot of people write off Czech Congo. I don't think you can write him off in this fight. I think it's a mistake if people are writing him off. I do think Bader is a different athlete now than he was two years ago. I think he's a guy, and we talk about this all the time, a confident fighter is a dangerous fighter. Yep. A confident fighter is a guy that, you know what, man, bad things can happen, and you'll still have that confidence, and you'll still come back from it. When you're not confident, that's when you're weak. And this, was, this is the same thing we're talking about. You know, if you have mental strength, you know what? You're going to be a tough guy. Bader is a confident fighter right now. He believes in himself. And he believes that he can beat anybody, you know, in the heavyweight division. He believes he's faster. He believes he's got power. He believes he can out-wrestle people. Congo is a guy, Congo can do a lot of damage real fast. He is a good wrestler. Came into, came into fighting as a kickboxer. All of a sudden changed over. Ended up, you know, becoming the, the guy that could wrestle and stuff. But his last two fights, he has freaking put the lights out on two guys. Put the lights out on Javi Ayala, then put the lights out on Tim Johnson. Mm. You know, he is, he's still got that power. And if Bader's not careful, this fight can end fast with Congo's hand being raised because he can put anybody's lights out. I feel like Ryan Bader, he came into his own when he started fighting at heavyweight. Sure, he came over to Bellator and he ended up winning the 205-pound title. But I feel like... At heavyweight, though, when we talk about the weight cut situations and how they affect people, he is a prime example of it is better for him to fight at a higher weight class. I think so. You know, what I mean, I he, think so. He, I, for not only that, but then I want to I want to keep going back to this because I'm going to use DC as as my uh, talking point here. And DC, I've always felt was a better it was better at heavyweight, but not only because he was just he had more power there, things along those lines, and he was obviously a lot more athletic than a lot of the heavyweights. When you get to the heavyweight division, not a whole lot of them can wrestle. And so when you have someone like a Ryan Bader or a DC at the, that have the wrestling pedigree that they have, and you're putting them against guys that, sure, they're athletic, but they cannot wrestle the way that those guys wrestle. And they can't oh, yeah. stop those takedowns. They don't have the athleticism to stop those takedowns. And I just I feel like he has found his own exactly where he needs to be. And I, I would like to see him get the win. Um, you know, um, he has the ability to get the win. You got to be careful because checks so long, and he's very accurate with his strikes, as we saw with Javier Ayala. Yeah, and he, he's quick with them. He he sees things. He sees the opening. He sees the angle, and he'll deliver just that nice little, you know, mm -hmm. inside uppercut, straight right. And you know, it only takes six inches, man. Six inches of space is all you need to give him. He's gonna light you up. Oh. It's gonna be a good fight. I think it's gonna be a lot better fight than people think. I do think, just like you, I think I think Bader is, you know, just youth and confidence and just things going his way right now. 
he's absolutely the favorite in it. But Congo, you know, he can surprise guys. But I, you know, I love the way Bader when he when he attacks, he goes. And I love his blast double. You know, he's got a blast double that reminds me of what Brock Lesnar used to bring. Because yeah. it, it's more of a tackle. He drives yeah. into you and drives you to the ground. So. Yeah, I think he's got to be. I agree with you that he has a good blast double. He's got to be careful though a little bit because sometimes those heavier guys, once they get those hips laid flat, it's harder to hit that blast double. Now, oh, yeah. hit, hitting from that snatch single or from that single leg and run into that double, I think would be good because then that gets the body moving. Then Checo have to basically bounce around on one foot to try to defend as a heavier guy, tall, long, and lanky. It's going to be, I think, harder for him to, to try and to defend. And you're going to be able to pick which way you want to turn that corner on. Yeah, yeah. and like we, had, like we had talked about Frankie Edgar and just creating the angles, turning the angles, I think that is going to be key if Bader wants to get those early takedowns. Yeah. You know? All right, but now with this featherweight Grand Prix, which fight, in your opinion, on Saturday is the fight that that's the one that piques your interest? Wow, wow. I mean, you, 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 caught, you <laughs> caught me. You caught me a little bit. You caught me. Um, I have a couple different ways I want to go with this, but the one that piques my interest the most and the only because of the history of what it, what it brings is Daniel Strauss. Is Daniel yeah. Strauss and Campos because of what Daniel Strauss has come through, all the things that he's done to get back in that cage, coming off of his last fight because of after all the stuff that he went through from his motorcycle accident, almost almost dying, being paralyzed, all those things, and getting back into that cage, getting his win over um, Shane Crutchen when he got that win with the knockout win. That catapulted him and just believing back in himself that he could do it for him. That he did all he did all the things that people thought he was done. And now he's back. And he's in there fighting Campos, who's just one of those guys that just bites down on the mouthpiece and will come after you and chase his big win over Melvin Gillard. All, he's got big wins. He's just one of those guys. You cannot take him for granted for one second or your lights will be turned out. And Dale Strauss, after all that he's been through, this is the fight that I'm most eager to see because I want to see him rise to the top. I love Campos, but it's just the story behind Daniel Strauss and getting back in the cage and all the adversity he's been through. It inspires me to truly to want to watch this fight. Yeah, the fight that I, I want to see is Pat Curran against Adam Borch. I just, I've always liked Pat Curran as a fighter. I've always loved the way... He just, you know, technically did things because technically he was so good. His stand-up, I mean, his chin is tucked. You know, it, it's it's like it's like watching a graph on. This is exactly where you want to keep your chin in a fight. You know, because you see guys when they throw and their chin comes up. I mean, Pat Kearns, man, it's got a cord of about a half an inch from his chest to his chin that just holds it there. I just love the way he fights and being a two-time champion coming back. You know, against this kid who's unbeaten in combative sports. And I, and I say that, and then, man, you know, look, unbeaten in his MMA career, unbeaten as an amateur, unbeaten as a pro, unbeaten in his kickboxing career, unbeaten as a boxer. He has never lost when he has competed in a co combat sport. And he believes in himself. He's got that confidence. He's got that swagger now. He's got that Oh, yeah, I belong, and I want everyone to see exactly what I can do. I just love that, that the old with the new and which one. Is it going to be that experience of Pat Curran in pulling out the little tricks that he knows and he can do in just throwing Adam Borch off his game, or is it that young stud that is there with all that athleticism and all that swagger? Is that going to overwhelm? the older fighter. I don't know. I just think that that is just going to be an incredible fight. I think Pat's going to have the boxing advantage and inside that short range advantage uh, over Adam Borks. But I think the height will play a factor because of Adam Borg's knees. The way he likes to hit that jumping, flying knee, which he's done twice now already in Bellator, and he does it from close range, and he does it from far range like we saw with Aaron Pico. He will do it in the clinch. He will do it against the fence. He will do it out in the open mat like he did against Pico. Those are the, like, the size, the range. He's a younger but just very... Um, confident almost seems very athletic i mean i can't tell you how athletic he is because i've only seen a couple of his fights but I'm everybody i know that has ever trained with him talks about one thing he is so fast wow. he's so hard to deal with because he's so fast that's all i keep hearing 
everybody that trades with him. God damn, John, he is so fast. Wow. And, and we, how many times have we talked, man, speed kills. If there's one thing I don't want to fight, mm-hmm. it's that guy that is so fast because he's hitting me with things that I'm having a hard time seeing, which means I can't stop him. Yep. Yeah, it, it, pose, it, poses, a, <clears throat> it poses a lot of threats for Pat. But Pat, just like you said, the defensive, how defensive he is and how good of a fighter he is with his defense. Chin tucked, good boxing. Can he get inside and get to Adam's chin before he gets to... And it, I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's that, that distance factor. Whoever controls that distance, if Pat is able to get inside, which he wasn't able to do against A.J. McKee, mm-hmm. if he's able to crush that space and control that space, Pat has a very good shot of winning this fight. Yeah. If he cannot crush that space and he has a hard time getting towards Borch, it's going to be a long night. I also feel with the AJ McKee fight, he waited a little bit too long. He was trying to get yeah. back, he was trying to get back in the rhythm of <clears throat> of fight speed. He can't afford to do that in this tournament. He can't afford that to do with Adam. He's got to make sure that he goes out there and capitalizes every moment he sees. He's got to jump on the gun and get it and get through those hands. Well, what, and one of the things that I thought actually played out very well for Pat was that he had that AJ McKee fight before this tournament and his first opponent is very A.J. McKee-like as far as reach, range, speed, all those things. You know, Adam Borch matches up very well with A.J., so he's got he's had one attempt at it. He's seen it. Now has he made the adjustments to make things work in his favor? We will see. We will see. It is. I'm excited for that night of fights. Yeah. <clears throat> Incredible. All right, so uh, when do you come in? Do you come in on Wednesday? I come in, well, yeah, Wednesday. Okay. I'll be there Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock or All something right. like that. So we're going to drop a, a thing on our YouTube channel for fan questions. So we usually get quite a few of them. So when I was doing my Punk's Opinion, and we'd usually get quite a few of them for Sammy and the Punk also. And we'll just answer some uh, some fan questions on Wednesday when you arrive. So let us know, and we'll, we'll get you in studio. I will we'll, come in there. Yeah, I can't wait. And we will... As long as, as as long as we got questions, yeah, we got we'll, we'll have we'll have plenty, we'll have plenty. So, all right, my man. Well, I will see you on Wednesday. Sounds good, brother. You en- take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day, and you can thanks Dave uh, for ruining it. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Hey, hard work pays the bills. Uh, Josh doesn't it, know anything about work. that. Yeah. All right, bud. I'll see you on Wednesday. Later, man. Bye. All right, bye.